0: Thank you, Ryan. It's a privilege for me to be preaching here. I was doing the math. Uh, For the first five years, we did one service. For the next 30 years, we did two or three services. I preached about 40 times a year. So um, after thousands of services, I still love preaching here. I just want you to know that because you guys show up and uh, the Lord shows up and it's very, very special. Speaking of anxiety, I just got back from Montana, where I was doing a wedding last Monday, and it was a destination wedding. It was absolutely beautiful. The fall colors were already hitting the mountain trees, and and I met some people at breakfast, and they were gonna take me to the airport because it would have been it was an $80 uber ride when I arrived on Saturday night. So so I like saving money, so I'm I, I got my stuff in their car. Then I had time to take a hike first, went along the river, looked down over the bridge, and there's beautiful trout feeding in the stream, and a great hike. I come back, I'm full of the spirit, because it had been just a great several days. And I get in the car with um, Eric and John, and we're waiting for John's wife to come. We have about an hour and 45 minutes before the flight. We're all on the same flight, um, and John's wife is out shopping for some reason. It's a 45 minute drive, and I'm feeling less and less joy by the moment, you know? And uh, finally, I'm trying to urge them to go get her, go get her. I'll go get her. And then she shows up. Okay, we're good. So John starts driving, and he's just enjoying the scenery. You know what I mean? Slow lane, enjoying the scenery, all the fall colors and everything. And then um, finally, as we're approaching the airport, we're just under an hour before our departure. I see the sign, Glacier International. I say, you might want to get in the right lane. He goes, no, no. I pulled it up on my JPS. We still have 10 more minutes. And I'm like, oh. And I'm thinking what my kids would always tell me. They would say, chill, dad, chill. You know, you will be fine, dad. We'll be fine. He, and, and, and John says, yeah, there, there's a couple of airports in this city. And so we we drive another 10 minutes or so and through more traffic, more stoplights to a dinky little airport that is not the right airport. Now we have to turn around. Now we have to jam back. And if we're fortunate, we'll have 20 minutes before the flight departs when we arrive to check our luggage, get in line, go through security and get on the plane. And uh, I'm not happy, not a bit. I'm not chill whatsoever. But when we... Before we get to the airport, Eric, who I've only known for 24 hours, he says, hey, I don't have a lot going on tomorrow. If you need to grab your stuff and just run ahead of us, go right ahead. Because I had done the math. Getting a new flight would have been a thousand bucks the next day. You know what I mean? It was because it was our fault that we were late. Um, Having a hotel for the night, food. I hate this town. I already hate this town. I want out of here. And then... And then he says that to me so graciously, so I took him up on it. When we get to the airport, I grab my stuff first, I run. Uh, They walk after me. And by the grace of God, we all made it. So here's the deal with anxiety. If you're the kind of person like me who likes to be in control, you're comfortable with your own decision making, you will get squeezed. You will get put in situations where you're not in control and there's nothing you can do about it except act like a jerk. And I've been there, I've done that, and we'll have repentance at the end of this service for anybody in there, or you can go to the Image Conference and get healed, either way. Um, So we're going to be talking today about characteristics of a healthy believer from Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read this verse, and then we'll pray. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no longer trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Father God, help me speak your word clearly. Your truth sets us free. Let your spirit make the truth clear to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says, it's no trouble for me to go over this with you again. Rejoice in the Lord. Do you think Paul knew that slavery was legal in the Roman Empire? Do you think he knew that sex trafficking was prevalent and also legal? Do you think he knew that husbands could beat up their wives or uh, rape their wives and have no consequences? Do you think he knew those things? Do you think he knew that the Roman Empire was trying to dominate the entire world and there wasn't a single military force around that could resist them? I think so. I think he knew those truths and yet he wasn't depressed because he also knew something else. He knew that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for our sins and Jesus Christ rose from the dead and could reveal himself to people and empower people and transform people by his spirit and by his grace. And that was the good news he was bringing that would free people from the bondage of sin, the oppression that they were in, and give them real hope for this world and the world to come. He says in verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Here's my point. Healthy believers are rooted in reality, and reality is that there are spiritual dogs, evildoers out there. In his case, these folks were saying to the believers, you have to do it our way. We are the ones that can interpret for you what God wants. And he wants you to keep the Sabbath. He wants you to let the tassels of your hair grow long. He wants you to stay away from pork. He wants you and, and they to get circumcised and all the males. He had this huge list of things that you had to do to be right with God. And Paul says, that's not the way you connect with the lord those guys are mutilators of the flesh they're evil doers they're spiritual manipulators but spiritual manipulation is not limited to the church after hurricane ian hit guess who also showed up shortly thereafter scammers came to florida and they've come after every hurricane. And they promise to fix somebody's roof. They promise to to take care of the fence and, and and landscape the yard. Just give us the down payment. And they collect the down payment from one person and another person and another person. Then they go to another neighborhood the next day and change the signs on their trucks and give out a different kind of business card. and And take down payments from a whole bunch of other people, and and after they've got as much as they can think they can get away with safely, they take off. It's tragic. And believers have to know that those forces are alive and well in the world. You You know why so many people are dying of fentanyl right now? It's because evildoers are trying to make more money, and if they lose a few customers to overdoses, it doesn't bother them that bad. It's tragic, but true. And believers need to be aware and be wise in every area of life. For it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. What's it mean to serve God by his spirit? Um, One of the things I love about working with Ryan and Blake Romeo is that Ryan is the same guy in our leadership meetings as he is on Sunday mornings, as he is when we take a walk together, as he is when I meet him for fun. He's the same guy. He has integrity, and so is Blake. She runs the children's ministry. She isn't demanding a lot of attention. She isn't expecting a lot of recognition. She came here as a servant of God, and she continues here as a servant of God. When we were contemplating hiring Nathan Del Turco to be our director of worship, Ryan, he he had come from a big church with a, a great worship background. But Ryan didn't sell him to us on the basis of his voice or his musicianship. He said, when Nathan comes to dwell, he comes as a servant. He says, what do you need me to do? I'll do whatever you need because he came here time after time, to make us look good, to help us succeed. That's what Jesus did. He said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve and to give my life as a ransom. Jesus shows up to serve, to bless, to give, to love. That's what it means to serve God by the Spirit. The true circumcision is living like Christ lived. And when that guy Eric said to me on the way to the airport, you can go first. He knew that he would have to pay the same amount of money I'd have to pay if he didn't make that flight. He knew what the the result would be, but he said, hey, the God I serve gives me the grace to go through life and say, go ahead, go first. You say you're a pastor for crying out loud. Verse four someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul's saying, I went to Sadducee State. Pharisee tech. I got my degrees. I got my position. I have my salary. And I'm good. I'm good. Until I realized there was something a whole lot more important than that. Years ago, we met the Stockton family in 1978 when they came to our church in California. And And we became really good friends with them. We vacationed with them. And and Billy, David's dad, took care of the the people in our church. And when they moved here to Phoenix, we moved here a year after because our son was really sick. And he had had to come here to start a medical practice. And we really loved each other. We had had a relationship in love in Christ for five years and we wanted people in phoenix to experience the same thing and so that's why we started the church together and what gives me the most hope for living streams is there's a whole bunch of families knitting their lives together a whole bunch of people saying i want to serve jesus with you when when people do that that form those kind of covenants in love powerful things happen but now also in 1978 something else happened to me I was standing on the sidelines of a high school football game. This big guy, he's like 6'4", whatever, looks down at me, and he says, so where did you go to seminary anyway? And I knew what he was trying to do. He was trying to intimidate me. I hadn't gone to seminary. I'd barely got my AA, and uh, he was mad at me. The reason he was mad at me was that he was the superintendent of schools in our whole area. And he had his PhD and he had a really good salary and he was a big guy and he didn't like any little pastors like me getting in the way of his agenda. And what had happened about six months prior to that was a lady in our church had come to me and she said, Mark, my daughter is in third grade and she was given a book, an assignment and... um, I, I looked over the book when my daughter brought it to me because my daughter started to have nightmares. It has a prayer to the devil in it. And, and I, I said, well, <laughs> did you tell the teacher? And she said, yeah, I called the teacher. And the teacher said, well, that's the assignment, and we don't believe in censorship. Censorship. I said, well, did you call the principal? The prin-, and she says, the principal doesn't want to talk. I tried to reach out to the principal. We didn't get anywhere. So I went to the school board meeting, and I explained the, to them when it was the time to talk, that they always allow the public to talk, that I was very concerned because there is an evil one in this world, and he is a deceiver, a liar, and a destroyer, and third graders shouldn't be reading books that have prayers to him because that whole concept is deception. Satan does not answer prayers to bless people. He gets access into people's minds and hearts, and then you can't shake them. That's when demonic forces start to torment people, and it can really cause a lot of trouble. Anyway, it didn't go over so good, and um, they, they basically shut me down. But then another few months went by, and I found out that the school was going to pass a resolution to allow girls 12 years old and older to have abortions without parental consent or knowledge. Now, I always assumed that when you send your kids to school and they were going to go on a field trip, you have to get a permission slip, you have to let the family know that the kid isn't going to be in school in case the bus crashes or whatever. But they wanted to change that whole concept into giving the, the... Little girls, and I think a 12-year-old girl, still a little girl, or 13 or 14-year-old, are still children to a certain extent, even if they get pregnant. They wanted to create a whole different dynamic. And personally, I wasn't going for it. I felt like it's my job as a Christian to be light and salt in the world. And, and so I went back to the school board meeting. And so I spoke out. And so a bunch of other parents spoke out too. And so the six foot four guy didn't like it. He didn't like me messing with his agenda. And people will not like it if you mess with their agenda too at times. But if believers stop being light and salt, Jesus said, well, what good are we? We have missed our calling because we're more concerned about what people think of us in the moment than we are what's going to be good for them later on. When I do marriage counseling, which is rare because most people don't like my counseling, I'll say, I am more concerned with how you're going to be doing 10 years from now than 10 weeks from now. To me, that's what it means to speak the truth in love to somebody. You're, call, you're called to care for them long term, not just on the immediate. So anyway, putting your confidence in the flesh is assuming That your education, which might be just fine and might be good, your education, your money, your position or whatever is what qualifies you to know who God is. Verse 7, Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He did have some gains because he had some status, some salary, some position. He had made some friends. But what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I'm not that concerned with my position with my friends when my friends are actually getting in the way of me following the Lord. Now, I don't know what you had to go through when you first accepted Christ, but for me, I had some choices to make. Uh, I had to choose to quit smoking marijuana. I had to choose to quit being involved in immoral relationships. I didn't know if I'd be able to endure temptation for the rest of my life, but I did know one thing. I knew that I wanted to get to know Jesus better, and I knew those things were in the way. And I don't know what's in your way, but I can guarantee for each and every one of us, there are certain things in the way of us serving God and knowing Christ better. And if we're not willing to say, I'm going to cut that loose, then Jesus put it this way. He said, if you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. It just does. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work on your terms. And and there is, there is loss when certain relationships are broken. There is loss. It is hard to say no to certain things, especially when our whole culture is going in the other direction, when everything's going to be legal, everything's going to be acceptable, everything in the name of love, as long as it makes you feel good, it's just fine. Well, that's fine if you don't mind dying in your sin. It's not fine if you want to know why Christ died for you. He did not die for us just to make us feel good. He died for us so we could be cleansed by his blood, so we could be washed free, so our consciences could be free, so we could be empowered by the Holy Spirit, so we could actually be life-giving to other people through the gospel. That's good news, because we've been all spiritually dead, and it, it sort of stinks after a while. You know what I mean? Death stinks. Life is awesome. We had a guy in our church come up at the end of a service a number of years ago. This was back in the 90s, and he asked for prayer. He was a young guy. He'd graduated from college, starting his business, very successful already. He had developed a credit card processing business, and, uh, and he tells me he wants prayer about it. And I'm like, okay, I'll be glad to pray. What is it exactly? And he says that he discovered that his main customers we're using the credit card processing that he had developed to process transactions for pornography on the internet i went oh okay now i get it now i know why you're stuck now i know why you're here and we did pray together i also knew that he wouldn't have been coming to me if he was just happy making money, if he had rationalized in his mind that he would be able to make millions of dollars and think of all the great things he could do for the Lord with those millions of dollars. He understood that God cared more about his soul. It was more important to have a clean, healthy soul than to gain the whole world. Five years later or so, he died in a car accident. And now I know that I know for sure that he's really glad he made the choice that he made, that the last five years of his life were living for Jesus full on and not compromised by something that was a a demonic delusion, that you can actually help people do things that destroy them and justify it in the name of making money for God's kingdom. That's a demonic deception. So Paul said, I I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That means it's not how much we know. It's not how much scripture we know. It's not how many times we showed up in church. It is the righteousness of God that comes to us as a gift through Jesus Christ. Now, it's good to know the Word of God. It's good to show up in church. There's something special that happens to us when we get together in Jesus' name and the Holy Spirit starts to move, but the gift of God is something that comes to those who believe and those who receive. Years ago, Faith coming started coming to our church, and when she was first arrived, she had been through a really painful divorce and she had been through some abuse, and her kids had been really rocked. And she was an RN. And as the years went on, we hired her, and she became one of the most awesome women pastors I've ever met in my life. And she, she serves us beautifully here. And the reason we hired her wasn't because of her good education. It wasn't because of her medical background. It was because she really understood that in spite of all the pain she had been through and the rejection and the heartache, that she had received a gift of righteousness from Jesus Christ, something that he did for her. And because she understood it so well, she could share it with others, and they too could get free. Because so many of us are measuring ourselves on the basis of the wrong criteria. We're measuring ourselves on a success stature basis that the world uh, offers, and it doesn't ever really make us right with God. In verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's mission statement, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, when I first started reading these words, I thought, that's what I want, too. I want to know the power of his resurrection. When I became a pastor, I realized that's what people need from me. They need the power of the resurrection when they're in a difficult situation. But what, what's this other thing in the participation in his sufferings? I, very few people want that. Very few people want to say... Uh, I really want to participate in his sufferings. I was taking a hike with my friend Brian this last week, and Brian's first child, Megan, was bound with, born with profound Down syndrome. And shortly after her birth, she needed surgery for a hole in her heart. And she was near death. And Brian told me that He was really, really struggling and really troubled. And Kurt Cotter came into the hospital room, one of our pastors, to visit him. And he just sort of dumped on Kurt. He just started to say, hey, why would God let this happen? Why would God let this happen? Afterwards, Brian sent me an email that was really beautiful. And he said, Megan may never Walk down the aisle. I may never be able to take her to her graduation, but you know what? She's a gift from God. After Brian had dumped on Kurt and they had prayed together, he began to discover some grace that to this day, one of the things he said to me on another. Aside, he said, if it hadn't been for my daughters, Megan and his adopted daughter, I don't think my marriage would have ever made it. Because loving these girls was the best thing we could have ever done. He loved his girls. and, And when you love somebody deeply, it changes you forever. It makes you really vulnerable. Their heart hurts, your heart hurts. They make decisions, it impacts you when you love somebody really deeply. But the reason he loves Kurt was because Kurt was willing to partake in the suffering of Christ, to feel his anger, to feel rejection, and to help him without any condemnation. My mom died a couple months ago. And my I'm the oldest of eight kids, my brothers and sisters, some of them are very wild. They go from married my youngest sister to a the guy who was the lead player of the band Journey and all the wild living that went along with that marriage to you you could hardly believe what had happened to us but we all had one thing in common we loved our mom and after she died I had anticipated well there will probably be a big fight over my mom's house you know it will probably be ugly but it hasn't been ugly it's been beautiful because our mom sacrificed her life for us and we all understood it Anybody could show up at her house with their friends any day, anytime, open the refrigerator, eat whatever they want, stick around, take a shower, stay for dinner, spend the night for year after year after year. And everybody knew that she had done what Christ did. She laid down her life for us, she had suffered for us. So they all wanted to honor her after she died. It was a powerful illustration to me of what happens when, as the Apostle Paul says, to become like him in his death, means staying faithful all the way to the end, all the way to the end. About 12 years ago or so, I got a call from a family in the church whose daughter was at Phoenix Children's Hospital, and she had brain cancer. Her name was Marley, and I was just pierced when I heard that because we had just had one of the men in our church die from brain cancer, Pete Snell, who was my friend, and I remember being with him when he stepped out of a golf cart one day and his his leg was he says this is weird my leg is numb that was the first sign that something was wrong in his brain and we had all prayed and his family loved the Lord and they prayed and I talked to Mike Behrens who was a brain cancer research scientist in this church it was the field that he dedicated his whole life to and Mike said when the tumors are like that in the brain there's nothing we can do. We can give chemo, we can do radiation, we can do surgery, but we can never stop it, because you'd have to take away too much of the brain. So I showed up at Phoenix Children's Hospital, and the room is packed with people from Living Streams and from Arcadia, where they lived all their friends, they're all waiting for prayer. And I'm faithless, practically, faithless, because I know what the medical science says. I know how sometimes even prayer What doesn't accomplish what we want to accomplish. But we prayed and we read Psalm 20 about God blessing the righteous who call on his name. And you know what? Twelve years later, I talked to Marley's dad. She's doing great. She's doing great. God did a miracle. The doctors said it was a miracle. And I can't tell you why she got healed and my friend Pete didn't. I can tell you that Pete is alive with the Lord because I can sense him many times when I think about him. And when somebody is alive with the Lord, they're present with the Lord, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's nearby. It's not far away. But I want to say this about Marley and to everybody else who's experienced a miracle. Now she, the ball's in her court. She has to decide. She received a gift from God. What's she going to do with her life? What's she going to do? Because the same God who created us in his image and likeness, who sent his son to die on the cross for our sin, who heals our diseases, who comforts us when we're afflicted, he does not control us. He gives us a choice. What are we going to do? And the the determination is going to be, what do you really believe? Do you believe you have a gift? of righteousness do you believe the resurrection of the dead is yet to come are you going to live for resurrection glory do you really want resurrection power are you willing to cut loose of the things or the people that are getting in your way of knowing him and his power or are you going to hold on to those things it's your choice really we're going to close the service with prayer our prayer team's going to come up While the singings go on, come on up, get some prayer. You know if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, because in your heart you can just sense it. This is what I need to hear. If that's you, come on up and agree with somebody and let God give you grace today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this time. This is the day you have made a day of salvation. We're asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, For you to pour out your spirit on everybody who needs it today as they come for prayer lord meet with them seek the lord while he may be found draw near to him and he will draw near to you